all the words this morning I chose, and they go with our message this morning, and uh, particularly, Arise My Soul, the one verse that goes, The Spirit answers to the blood and tells me I am born of God. Um, that's how the Bible works. The Spirit makes us born again. We're born anew. We're born from heaven. And tells us we're born of God. And, and it, it enables us to hear the Word of God and believe it and to obey it. And that goes entirely with the message. So, uh, let's read this morning's passage. It's in 1 John First uh, John chapter 2, 29 through 3, 10. Why don't we stand for the reading of God's Word? And that's there in your order of worship, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I for you? Okay. If you know that He is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of Him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that He appeared in order to take away sins, and in Him there is no sin. No one who abides in Him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen Him or known Him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as He is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. And whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who loves his brother. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father in Heaven, we thank You for Jesus, who is our very life. We thank You for Your life-giving Spirit that has made us born again. We ask now that You might be glorified, that we might be hearers of Your Word and doers, both hearers and doers, that You might be glorified, that we might live the life that you have called us to live, that we might be who we truly are in Christ, your children, born anew, born of the Spirit. We pray this for your glory, in Jesus' name, by the power of the Spirit, amen. Amen. Please be seated. So this morning I've been kind of racking my brain to think of a good uh, metaphor or simile or analogy to uh, help us understand this passage here and it's really hard because all of them eventually break down and many good analogies turn into uh, rank Christological heresies so we have to be careful and not to take them too far but um, I kind of liken this morning's passage to um, you've probably heard this analogy before like the Christian life is like um, 
the close of World War II when, uh, when D-Day occurred. Um, when D-Day occurred, the war was over with Germany. You know, it was just, a, it was just, it was just, a, it was actually a, ma you know, it, 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 in hindsight, you know, that was the end. And, and uh, um, it was just a mop-up, mop-up uh, excursion after that where uh, the Allied forces went in and shooed the Germans out and liberated the concentration camps and uh, had victory uh, in, in short of a year, in less than one year. Of course, you know, um, the English were fighting the war much longer than us and, uh, and all the people who were oppressed. But my point being is that the Christian life is kind of similar in that since the resurrection, Jesus has already declared victory over the devil and that right now we're living out the mop-up where God is going through and gathering his lost sheep and liberating them from the devil and, and, and claiming the territory uh, through the church. You know, the church is not a political institution uh, like Israel was. The church is now uh, uh, God's kingdom on earth. And it's a mysterious kingdom and it looks small, but it's great. And it looks weak, but it's strong in power. And so our Christian life is much like that. And uh, also, uh, so what I want to talk about is the tension that we have in this passage and the tension of um, being God's children but the problem of sin and how it talks about uh, the child of God no longer remains on sin or practices sin, but the tension is, is that we still sin. So what is John getting at here? And Lord willing... Um, We'll have a better understanding of this, and uh, grow, and we'll grow in our uh, our faith here. So as um, we go through this, so you begin. I um, I chose verse twenty nine to start because um, you know these chapter numbers and they were added later, much later, um, hundreds of years later, and and they're great because they help you find uh, where you are in the Bible, but they're not always the exact. You know, this was a letter written, you know, written out to give to people, and, and so um, uh, the different themes may not be exact here. So it says here, 20, verse 29, we'll begin, If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. All right. John uh, is continuing with his, his uh, dualistic themes of light and dark, children of God, children of the devil. All right. Uh, and, and so he... Today we're going to look at children of, of God and children of the devil. And uh, I didn't give you a title, um, Carl, but it it could be titled. Uh, this could be in t today's message could be entitled um, "The Apple Does Not Fall Far from the Tree" or "Like Father, Like Son." I remember. Uh, Maybe all of you here did, but I used to watch Bullwinkle, Rocky and Bullwinkle when I was a kid. <laughs> and they would always title each episode with like, kind of similarly, they would say, uh, you know, they'd have a title or, you know, something like this. So this is kind of the same thing. Uh, the apple does not far, fall far from the tree or like father or like son. Uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle, their titles were much uh, cl more clever, but regardless, here we go. So here John is speaking about people who are born of God practice righteousness. 
verse 1, chapter 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. John is once again talking to the body of believers at this church and he's encouraging them because they went through this split where there were people telling them various things, claiming to be apostles who were not, and teaching them apparently that you did not have to live a righteous life. That sinning was okay. And so he, he's, he's encouraging in them and saying, Look, look what wonderful love God has given to us. We're called children of God. We are called children of God. And he uses the word children here. There's been a movement in the Bible to, uh, in, 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 in uh, interpreting passages to take away genders. All right. Or, you know, like words. Like a lot of times it, it, it uses a male pronoun. And so, you know, they change that. But, but here the, the, uh, the word used is children. So he means everyone. He's being specific his, that we are the children of God, all of us. All of us are. And he says that uh, we, he marvels. Uh, it's actually a command to behold uh, what kind of love the Father has given to us. It says, see here in this version... Uh, but it's a command. It's like, look and see, behold. Like, ta-da! Look what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. And the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. So he's picking up also on that theme of those who left us were never really part of us. So don't be distressed when that happens. And it says the reason the world doesn't know us is because it doesn't know God. The reason why the world doesn't love us, Jesus even said the same thing, is because they don't love God. And so we shouldn't be discouraged or surprised when this happens. And we are experiencing this in our day. Not to the level these people, you know, no one's threatening us yet to uh, put us in prison and, and uh, take our goods and, and kill us. But yet that could come. But yet, you know, we, 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 we do uh, face verbal persecution for sure and uh, disdainful looks. Verse 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Verse 2 is a little bit mysterious, like what exactly that means. Uh, We don't necessarily know. But what it's telling us is that in the resurrection, when he appears, when he comes again, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Uh, God will transform our bodies into, uh, once again, into um, incorruptible form. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So those of us who are born-again Christians and hope in Christ, we purify ourselves just like He is. And so John is using uh, 
kind of a step-by-step -step method to show us that um, that we're born of God, all right? That we had to be born again because as in our natural state, we would not inherit the kingdom of God. We're at, so, so in one aspect, everybody is a child of God because we're all the offspring of Adam in one aspect. But in an, a certain aspect, we are not. Uh, the Bible tells us in, in Ephesians that uh, we were by nature children of wrath, meaning that we were born in sin. So actually, we were children of the devil. And so that obstacle was so great, the only remedy was for us to be born anew, to be born again. And we're born of God, and we're children of God. And so God is eternal. So what becomes now part of our nature is we become, we live eternally. And because God is holy, we become holy. Because God is righteous, we now become righteous because of Jesus, what He has done. He has imparted His Spirit into us. So the Spirit transforms us more and more daily. But sin still remains. Uh, there was a Reformation uh, Latin phrase, and it goes like this, Simul justus et peccator. Uh, same time just and sinner. All right. So right now as Christians, we experience this tension where we desire to be holy, and we are called to be holy, and we know that, but yet we still sin. All right, and so uh, there's that tension that we have in this life, and don't be discouraged by it. All right, because uh, Christ has lived the perfect life for us. He says here in verse four, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that He appeared in order to take away sins, and in Him there is no sin. No one who abides in Him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen Him or known Him. Alright, so it's speaking here about Jesus. Alright. You know that He appeared in order to take away sin, and in Him there is no sin. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, it says here. Alright, He came to live the life we couldn't live. He obeyed His Father uh, personally, perfectly, and perpetually. And He earned salvation for us, that which we could not do. And it says here that we are to abide in Him. We are to remain in Him, which we will as children of God. We will, because the Spirit draws us to, to, uh, to do that. Uh, in verse 28 it said the same thing it said and now little children abide in him so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming so so abiding in him means remaining in him uh, other uh, words that are similar walking in him walking in righteousness walking in truth and now he uh, contrasts that with n not walking in him but actually walking in sin no one who keeps on sin, sinning has either seen him or known him. So it talks about the person who's not born again. All right, this is, you know, when it talks about walking in sin, remaining in sin, uh, keeps on sinning, it's talking about the person whose life is characterized by that. Meaning that uh, 
uh, in, in the psalm we read this morning, it talks about the wicked. That's what it's talking about. It's, it's talking about a person who hates God, who willfully will not submit, uh, will not submit to God. Verse 7, Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. So here he further develops that idea of what of why someone uh, would remain in sin and continue to practice sin. And that's because they are uh, of their father, the devil. Um, and and the devil uh, is the adversary of the saints. And uh, he's first introduced in the garden when he causes Adam and Eve to sin. And that's what it means. He, is, he, he has been uh, sinning from the beginning. And uh, there's a lot been written on the devil, but we, wanna, we want to uh, just remain what's in the Bible and what's real, revealed in the Bible. And what's re- revealed in the Bible is that um, he is opposed to the works of God. He's opposed to the redeeming work of Jesus. And he actually has tried to be God. And here we see him tempt Adam and Eve, our first parents. And he, uh, what he tempts them with is disobedience. Uh, he tempts them to be lawless to assume uh, autonomy for their own lives and not submit to God. He actually says literally, uh, he says here, um, he says here when he tempts the woman, but the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. This is Genesis 3, 4, and now 5. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the temptation that the devil brought to Adam and Eve was that they would be like God. That they would be like God. He caused them not to be satisfied in their the state they were in and not to trust God, but to create in them a desire to be like God. To... Uh, throw off his authority over them and to become autonomous autonomous and the result was disastrous all right the result was a fall and uh, just all the problems we have on earth you know all the uh, pro- relational problems and even the the, the problems uh, cosmologic what cosmolog- uh, cosmologically and uh, the geologically all the you know harsh weather, the uh, struggle we have on earth is it's all a result of the fall but it says here the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil so Jesus came to redeem us and to reverse this to restore what God to, to restore God's creation to restore mankind to its rightful place 
And He did this by taking our place, by living the life we couldn't live, and uh, dying the death we could not die, and raising from the dead. But back to this idea of, of, of sinning. Uh, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. Verse 10, By this is it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So the distinction is practicing righteousness. Uh, the distinction is being like Jesus. As, as Christians, we are to be like Jesus who redeemed us and, uh, and to practice deeds of righteousness. But it doesn't mean we won't sin. When it, when it talks about keep on sinning, uh, that we, uh, excuse me, it says no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. That person's life is characterized by utter rebellion against God. From, from someone who uh, does not want God to rule over them. So it's an entirely different thing to sin and confess your sin before God and, and agree with God that what you've done is wrong and agree with God that you need the remedy, Jesus. All right? we, we do that daily, all the time as Christians, because His Spirit is in us, so we agree with Him. That's actually what confession means. It means to agree with, uh, to have the same uh, uh, um, words as God about it. We agree with Him. So when it talks about practicing sinning, that's someone who does not agree with, with that, that God is, does not agree with God's Word. They do not agree that, that uh, certain things are sin. What, you, you name it in today's day and age. Uh, they go so far as to say what God has said is evil, that it's good. All right? they, they corrupt God's Word. That's what it's talking about. That's what it's talking about. That person is not born of God, and they will not inherit eternal life. Uh, it's, um, I've said this before. Uh, one definition of sin, Eugene Peterson says, is to agree with God that, that uh, everything you thought about life has been wrong. All right, uh, you know, meaning that uh, as far as what is good and evil, it's agreeing with God what is what is right, what is true, what is righteous. So no one born of God practices makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. So His Spirit has born, made us born again, and uh, and so prompts us to to repent. And to do righteous deeds, all right. We're to be like Jesus, and it it this this passage ends with. It just seems kind of out of nowhere, but it says, "Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother." One of the uh, key tenets of a Christian is someone who loves. It says further in in. Uh, this letter, God is love. So as His children, we are to love like He loves. And we will love like He loves. Um, so I want to end with this quote here by Paul Tripp. You've, commission, you've been commissioned to obey. 
But your hope is not in the consistency of your obedience. It is in the grace of the one who called you. You have been commissioned to obey, but your hope is not in the consistency of your obedience. It is in the grace of the one who called you. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your word that is truth. We thank you, Jesus, that you have done uh, all things for us in this life and you provide us all things that we need. So grant us grace that we might hope and trust in you. Help us, Lord. We believe, but help us with our unbelief. And grant us grace that we might share your gospel with those who do not know you. May you make opportunities for us to share that love this week, this day. And we ask this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.